Good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Uh, welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So a couple things uh, before we get started. One is, if you were here last week, you heard this, and uh, we talked about it, but this is our annual business meeting at Life Church. And so if you come from a church world and you hear business meeting, you tend to be like, ugh, you know, that's the time where people come up and parade across the stage and give a bunch of numbers. And so you don't have to worry. That's not Life Church's business meeting. Life Church's business meeting, you know, we try to share vision. And the vision is to say, like, here's what we're doing. Here's where we're going. If you want to be a part of Life Church, you know, it's good to know what do we value and what are we about and how do we view success here? Because here's what we know. Like, there's lots of good churches in Huntington and surrounding areas and doing lots of good things. And, and so we don't know. Like, we just ask people, like, pick a church that you can be a part of that can help you change the world, right? Like, that's the idea. Be a part of something that can help you be what God created you to be to change the world. And we want you to know this is what we're about and this is what we're doing and we're hoping that it fits for you and we're hoping that it fits in and what you're doing in life and we're hoping that it's something that God can use you uh, in amazing ways. So with that, if you didn't get an annual report, so if you were coming to Life Church and we had your address, I think you got one of these. So if you didn't get one of these, we want to make sure that when you're leaving at the Connect Center, you can grab one of these. Because inside of the annual report, it does a couple things. It gives you an opportunity to see what kind of ministries are happening at Life Church, who's involved with them, or who are the leaders. So you can put a face with a name, like here people talk about it, but you can actually see who they are. The other thing that it does is helps you know what we did last year, but what we're praying for in the years to come, or the year to come. So you could then also be praying with them on how they could be you know, successful in ministry, and or how do you get involved and help them? right? Because that could be the other part of it. Like, how is it that, like, this is something that I'm excited about and I want to get involved in to be a part of. So you can grab this on the way out. The other thing that happens inside of the business meeting is you get a chance to meet our elders. So if you've never met any of the elders of Life Church and had an opportunity to talk to them, this is a Sunday where you can meet them. They'll be down in conference room C. So you can stop, you can talk to them, ask them any questions about what's happening at Life Church, what's going on at Life Church, and uh, if you got one of these, you know, you've already looked over how we spent money in 2021, how we're planning on spending money in 2022. So if you have any questions about the finances of Life Church, it's an opportunity for you to sit with them, ask them questions. They'll do the best they can to answer them. If they can't, they'll get you in the place where you can. So that's an opportunity to through this business meeting. So after the service, if you want to stop and talk to them or you haven't had an annual report, grab that. The other thing that we want to talk about is Grow Night, right? So if you've been here in the past, you've heard us talk about Grow Night or possibly you've participated in it. So what's the vision behind Grow Night and why do we think it's important life at Life Church? So here's one of the things that we've said from the beginning of the church and we've always tried to provide opportunities for this to happen. You can come forever in rows and you can learn some things, right? Like you can sit in a row on a Sunday morning and you can learn some things. But we think life change doesn't happen in rows. We think it happens in circles, right? That if you can get in a circle, and circles have looked many different ways at Life Church, Mentoring relationships, adulting 101, you know, that, that happened out here. Uh, workout relationships, uh, you know, 
you meeting with somebody else, even if it's not even a mentoring relationship, but it's something like you're getting with them and you're talking to them, whether it could be a men's group or a women's group or a couple's group, like whatever it is, we know if you get in a circle, things are going to happen in a circle that don't happen in rows, right? So we want to provide opportunities for you guys to be able to do that. So if you haven't been in a community group or haven't been in a small group, it's an opportunity for you to jump in and maybe jump in on something that you haven't uh, been involved in before, or maybe it's something that you want to get involved in so you can get to know more people here at Life Church. So I'm teaching Starting Point. That's one of the ones that each week we're going to be highlighting a couple. So I'm going to be teaching Starting Point. If you're in here in the beginning, uh, they put a little preview of it. But Starting Point is something that I've taught forever, taught it to every one of my small groups. So every time we do a small group, we sit down and say, we should probably go over the 10 foundational truths of Christianity, and here's why. Everybody comes from a different church background and a different church, and so when you sit all in a room and you talk about things, everybody has a lens, right? And you view that lens through your own church experience, and we want to teach, don't view Jesus through the lens of your church experience, view it through scripture because it's the thing that matters, right? So starting point says, hey, have you ever had any questions about all these things that you never really got a chance to ask? You could ask him in starting point and not ask him from somebody's opinion, but ask him from, well, I don't know, what does scripture say? Or not ask him from a church person's, you know, a church view perspective, but from a, what does scripture say? If you want to start, sign up for starting point, you know, it would be an opportunity for you to ask questions, get to know people and get the foundational principles of Christianity. The other one you just saw, so the marriage class, so uh, the marriage adventure. And so it, again, Here's what you need to know about being involved in a marriage class, because I think this is always the taboo. Like, if I go to a marriage class or people think my marriage sucks, you know, so I don't really want to sign up on it because people will be like, ah, did you see such and such signing up for the marriage class? I wonder what's going on in their house, right? Well, here's what you need to know. Like, if you've been married a little while or you've been married, you know, short time or you've been married forever, here's what you have to understand. If you want your marriage to be what God wants it to be, you have to be perfecting your craft always. If you're not working on it, because you know what the craziest thing about life is, is that people spend significant amount of times perfecting their craft, right? Like whatever you're doing, you're going to be really good at it. And, you know, so whether it's a mechanic or whether it's a carpenter or whether it's a beautician or whether, you know what I mean, teacher, like you work really hard to perfect your craft. And I'm always like, well, how much time are you working on perfecting your marriage? And you're like, doing what? Like all we're trying to figure out is how to not kill each other by the end of the week, right? Or we're just trying to figure out how to exist. Or we're just trying to figure out how to get to the end without it being a complete blow up. Well, if you want your marriage to be what God wants it to be, then you better work on perfecting your craft and you should be doing it all the time, not when your marriage is in crisis, right? So you should be a part of this marriage class for a couple different reasons. If you want to work on your marriage, perfect your craft, and if you want to get to know more people at Life Church, because you know the one thing that, that's funny now that the church has grown some and there's two services is that you could be talking to somebody out there and you have conversation, you're like, I go to Life Church, and they're like, well, I go to Life Church. I didn't know you went to Life Church. It's because you never see them. Right? Like in completely different services, you wouldn't have any idea, you know, how to build relationship with those people because you never, you never see them or you never have a chance to get to know them. So Grow Night, we'll be highlighting it again next week. If you want to sign up, the best way to sign up is by the app, okay? If you don't know or don't have the app, somebody will show you how to get the app and it won't be me. So it'll be Taylor or Jennifer <laughs> because... 
that whole technology thing, yeah, I don't know how it all works, but they're really good at it and they can make it happen for you. So you can sign up on the app, which is the preferred way. There's also a QR code out there that you can scan. And if you don't know how to do that either, somebody will teach you how to do that because I don't know how to do that either. But when you do that, then it'll get you to the sign-up place. And or if you're like me, there's really paper. Like you could just write it down. Like I want to be involved in a small group and give it to Taylor, give it to Jennifer. Or if you have questions about it, Taylor's going to be out there, right? You're going to be out there in between services. You can talk to him about Grow Night. But we'll keep talking about it again next week. We'd love for you to get involved. Love to be a part of it. All right. This week's message. So here's what I have been processing personally and what I've been processing from a church standpoint um, on what God wants for me in 2022 and what God wants for Life Church. And here's where it comes from. 2021 brought a lot of challenges personally to my faith, right? Like there's just some things that happened in my life in 2021 where I was like, really? <laughs> like, is this really how it's supposed to work? Is this really like when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, like this is how it really ends or this is the way faith truly plays out? So I had a lot of those challenging circumstances in my life. And although I was at this place where I was like, I don't understand and I don't get it and I really don't agree with it and I think it could have been done in a way different way and I honestly, if you would ask me, God, that would have never been the path I would have went down, right? Like that's, I was at this place, but then I sat in this, this, this place of being humble in front of God and said, but you know what? At the end of the day, this is the most important thing to me. Whatever decision I make, this is what I want more than anything. God, find me faithful. Like, just find me faithful. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you're never going to explain to me, and you're never going to be able to make sense of any of this to me, of what happened in 21, like 2021, and nobody's going to be able to explain it away, and there aren't any good answers, right? And I don't know if that's you ever in your life, where you get to these places where you're like, none of it makes any sense, but the thing that I had to rest on is something that I know and something that we're going to continue to talk about. The only thing that pleases my God is faith, right? That's the only thing that pleases him. And so I really have to process, like, God, I can't figure all of this out, and I honestly don't know what the next steps are, but at the end of the day, I know what pleases you, and I know what you want to do inside of me, so whatever decision I make, we find me faithful. Well, really, personally, wasn't any different than it was for the local church. You see, I think in 2021, the local church experienced this whole testing, Right? I think the body of Christ experienced a testing in 2021, and they had a choice, right? Like, where are you going to land? You know, where are we as a body of Christ, and where are we organizationally going to land when testing and persecution comes, right? Because no matter what decision you make, it's going to be judged. It's going to be criticized. It's going to be, you know, whatever those things are, it didn't matter what you did in 2021. Somebody was happy and somebody was mad. Anybody ever live in that world? Doesn't matter what decision you make, somebody's going to be happy, somebody's going to be mad. Here's where we want to be as a church. You see, we're not here to, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to like come across as like arrogant or anything or not caring, but we don't really care, right, what people think. Because people are always going to be mad and people are always going to be happy. That's the life of an organization and that's the life of leading people, right? Some are going to be happy or some are going to be mad. What we want as a church 
is for God to find us faithful. At the end of the day, whatever decisions that we make, and you know why that is, is because happiness and sadness isn't where God is on either side, right? It's not whether you're happy or not, it's whether you're mad. God wants to be where you're faithful, right? And so we have a church, we as a church have always said this, is that, so we need to get to a place where we position ourselves personally, and when we position ourselves organizationally, where we want to be where God is, which means we have to live by faith, right? Like that's, that's where we personally need to be, and that's where we organizationally also need to be, okay? Now, here's the problem with that. So what is faith? You know, I know you talk about it all the time and you sing about it all the time, but what is it really? Because here's where I think the problem even personally for people at times is, and I think organizationally it's a struggle. It's like we say it, but do we really know it? Like, I think this is the story of most people, not most, but I think it is a story that's a common theme inside of the church is that people understand saving faith, right? So you come to a church, and when you come to a church, at some point you hear a message that says, you know what, you should probably consider your eternity, right? Like, you should probably consider this. You should probably know that, You were made as an eternal being, and you're going to live forever somewhere, and so you better figure out where that place is going to be. And so then usually inside of a church, they're like, here's heaven, and even sometimes we don't do a good job of explaining that, and here's hell. Which one do you want to choose, right? And lots of people are like, okay, I get it. Like, I'm a sinner, And I've fallen short of the glory of God, and I need to make a decision that I can't fix on my own. Like, I can't fix the sins of my life. And so they preached a message, and inside of this message, it said, if you just believe in Jesus, and you pray to Jesus, and you ask him to come into your heart, you now are going to be made right before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Like, that's the message of salvation. And many people inside of the church have accepted the message of salvation. Like, I can't do it on my own, and I know I'm not a good person, and I know I can never make it right, so I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to stand in front of him, and I'm going to be welcomed into eternity, not what I've done, but based upon what Jesus did for me. Right? I think if you ask people, that's a well-known theme inside of the church, and you might still be struggling with that decision, but it's a theme that people talk about all the time. But... Here's part of the problem. You know what happens after that? And I don't know why exactly this happens. I think it's just maybe human nature and or it's like what the church does to us or even sometimes our friends. It's like, so now that you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to be a better person. So you know why you should read the Bible? Because you need to stop smoking. You need to stop chewing. You need to stop drinking. You need to stop, you know what I mean? Like they go through this list of things that you're like terrible at and they remind you that you're terrible at it. You know where the answer is? It's in the Bible. So why don't you read the Bible like a self-help manual because you know what Jesus really wants? He wants you to be a better person. Anybody? Right, so you go through this list and you try to be a better person and you work really hard at it and I don't want to burst your bubble, okay? And, And again, If you don't know me, somebody can explain me later to you, but if you know me, like here's what you know about me. Like I'm not saying that you shouldn't read your Bible and I'm not saying you shouldn't stop chewing or smoking or drinking or all those things that you're doing. I just don't, I want you to understand this. You're still no good in the eyes of God. 
right? You know what I mean? Like if you're going to somehow put yourself up here because you don't do this and these people do this in the eyes of God, your righteousness are like filthy rags. So you trying to be a better person, just so you know, God's not up there to be like, wow, he stopped chewing. I'm so thankful. Like that's just going to change the world. <laughs> now again, maybe you should stop chewing or maybe you should stop doing those things. We can address all that stuff later. But what does he really want, right? At the end of the day, what is it that's going to please God? What is it that we should be focusing on? What is it that when you stand in front of him someday, we're hoping to hear from him? God, find me faithful. Find me faithful, right? And so when we move forward in this, the question is always the same. What are you doing when it comes to living faith? How, because let's be honest, you live in the United States of America, so my guess is you could lit, work, be a part of, go through this entire week and this entire month without living by faith. You know why? Because your refrigerator's full. You know why? Because you have money in your bank account. You know why? Because you're actually not going to get beat beyond human recognition when you walk out of here today, right? Like you get, you get a watch in your pajamas, Right? Like, you don't even have to get out of your house to do these things. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not a lot that positions us in a place where it's like, wow, this week I need to live by faith. Right? Like, this week I've positioned myself in a way that if God doesn't come through, you know, then things aren't going to be the way they need to be. Like, I need to go to God because, unfortunately, the only time that we go in that way is when your life is messed up. When life is out of control, where do you usually go? Hey, God. Hey, God. You know why you go to him? Because you tried to control it and you, know, you, you actually realized you can't control it. So then you came to this place like you asked the one who's in control. Well, do you realize that he wants your lifestyle to be like that? Not when you're in trouble. Like the lifestyle of your life is supposed to be lived by faith. The lifestyle of your life is supposed to be like every day when I get up in the morning, the idea is we're going to pray in such a way that says, you know what, i got to need you. Position me somewhere today that I'm going to have to operate by faith. I'm going to have to do something. And this is where we get into the faith aspect, and we're going to talk about it at a deeper level. But when we're talking about the only thing that pleases God, it's operating outside of your control is faith. Now, Think about that. How many people set their lives up to be out of control? One. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying, right? Like most of what we try to set up in our life is for it to be very controlled and methodical and check the boxes off. And actually the world celebrates you like if you've got it all together. You know, and I'm, again, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan and you shouldn't put things together, but do you realize sometimes you could plan yourself out of faith? Do you realize sometimes you could position yourself in a place where you don't need faith and the world's going to look at you and be like, oh, I wish I could be like that person. They're so organized. They got everything together. Nothing ever goes wrong. And God's up there like, oh my. <laughs> like, great, you got your day done. But where were you faithful today? Where did you let me in today? Where did you let me work in your life today? Where did you need me today, right? So that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to figure out and we're going to do it by looking at Hebrews 11. So in Hebrews 11, it gives us stories of people who he looked at 
and, and processed in a way to say, this person had living faith, what can we learn from them, right? And so then we're going to go into it and we're going to say, what is it that we can learn from these people in Hebrews 11 so that we too can get from this place, because this is where the Jewish people were in uh, reading Hebrews 11. So the reason he wrote it is the Hebrew, the, the people that he was writing to, the Jews, were having a problem with a works-based faith. They thought it's what pleased God. They're like, you know what, if we just read the Bible more, if we follow more laws, if we do more things, then God's going to be happy. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, just so you know, you've messed it all up because that's not what make, is making God happy, right? God is not happy because you are checking things off the list religiously and you're not living by faith. So he's saying to the Jewish people and he's saying to us, if you want some examples, like if you don't know how to live by faith, let me give you some examples. Like here's some examples that you could go by and that you could do. So this starts in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So here's a challenge to you. You know what he says right there in the beginning is it says, now faith is a confidence in what we hope for, right? If you hope for nothing, you will never live by faith. So if you're hoping for nothing, then why would you ever need faith? right? So think about this. Think about this in your own life. If you ask yourself the question today, what am I hoping for in my marriage? Meaning, what is, what is it, what's my preferred future? You ever think about that? Like not what your marriage is or how to just exist, but do you know what God wants your marriage to be? Like what's the preferred future? Like can you think through that? If you think of the preferred future of what God wants inside of your marriage, by golly, you're going to need to live by faith. True? Right? If you look at what God wants from a preferred future of a relationship with your spouse, you're going to have to live by faith because you're not going to naturally get there. Right? And so the question I always ask people is like, think of 2022 when you're looking at this, what are you hoping for? What is it that you're saying, you know what, my preferred future is this, and if God isn't involved, I'm not getting there, or we're not getting there. Because if you're hoping for nothing, you could walk out of here and say, oh, I want to live by faith. But if you're hoping for nothing, you will never live by faith. You just won't. And here's the thing that you need to recognize. Because some people are afraid to hope for things because they're scared of what failure actually looks like. You know what I mean? Like, if I hope this and it never comes true, then what am I going to do about it? Well, they struggle to get to that place. And it's something that we've talked about a lot here at Life Church. Like, understand, you know why it says it's the things that we hope for and the assurance that goes with it? Because the assurance isn't that it's always going to work out the way that you want it to work out. You know what the assurance is? That God's going to be with you during it. You know what I mean? When you look at a preferred future, part of the problem with people is they become paralyzed because they don't think they're ever going to be able to get it done. And you know what? At the end of the day, does God really care if you get it done? I want you to think about this. Is it about the destination or is it about the journey? It's the journey, right? Because what's he trying to do inside of each one of us? Is it really about that destination or is it in these steps, you know what's going to be built inside of you? Faith. Right? And so we say this all the time. Like when people ask me the question, 
how is Life Church doing? And you know who asks church people who want to compare their churches? Do you know what I mean? They're like, hey, how are you guys doing? You know, because it's kind of a funny thing. And you know what they're asking? How many people are coming? And how much money are you bringing in? Right? That's church lingo for if your church is doing good, you got people and you have money. And I'm always like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say? Because this is, I know this about the church world. Churches are popular and then they're not popular and then they're popular again and people just go to the popular church. Right? Like that happens. Like if you didn't know that happens, I'll just give you like a church world thing. Like people just go around to the, whatever the church is popular. And so if you're going to measure your success based upon how many people you come, it's like, I don't even know how that works. And so what we've always said, you know, that it's really not about that, although we look at it and we know that it's a part of the equation. What we know is, is that success means this at Life Church if people are living by faith. That's what it means. Like this is why when you look on our social media and, and you can see this emphasis because I say this all the time and you see like Testimony Tuesdays or stories about people and I always tell people, you know what you should be doing? You should be sharing those stories because if people really want to know what's going on at Life Church, they need to know what's going on inside of you, not Life Church. You hear what I'm saying? Like when you're watching these, the reason we have the podcast is because we do this podcast and we listen to people's stories and we look how God's changed in your life and you should listen to it and you should watch it and you should share it with other people. Not because of it's like Life Church's podcast because it's the stories of people living out faith, right? And so what are we trying to see? We're not trying to promote Life Church and what it's doing. We're trying to say, you know what? God is at work and people are being faithful. And if you want to know if Life Church is working, I don't know. Read Testimony Tuesday and share it with somebody else. Listen to the podcast and share it with somebody else. Listen to somebody's story and share it with somebody else. Because working does not mean whether it's successful or not. Working means is somebody's faith growing and is God working? Right? That's what working means. That's why I don't want you to get to this place because God's. if you open yourself up to this, I just want you to know you're going to be paralyzed by fear because what God's going to ask you to do, it's going to be big. So I want you to know that failure doesn't happen because you don't reach the destination. Failure happens because you sit in your chair and do nothing. Failure at Life Church is not defined. That's why when people have been like, it's so weird you guys start these things and then they suck and you don't really care about them. And I'm like... It's because I really don't, because I don't really care whether it succeeded or not. I wanted to be with the person on the journey, seeing their faith grow because God did something inside of them. And it wasn't whether or not their ministry was going to be successful or not. It's what's God going to do in the midst of that, right? That's what I want to see. Like, I don't care about all of the way that the world measures, whether it sucks or doesn't suck. I want to know that God's working because people moved out of their chair and did something. And you can have an assurance. I'm just going to tell you this. If you get out of your chair and you do something, you know what your assurance is? God will be with you. You want me to give you another assurance? If you keep sitting in your chair, he's not there. So you can sit down, you can ponder, and you can watch, and you can listen. And if you don't move, God's not going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to come and sit beside you and hold your hand for a while. He's going to be like, he's going to stand in front of you and he's like, get up. The assurance is when you get up, I'm with you. But as long as you're there, it's going to be hard to do anything with. Does that make sense? Right? So he's setting up this idea of what faith really looks like. Then he goes on and he says, 
By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. And when God spoke well of his offerings, uh, and by faith, Abel still speaks, and even though, even though he is dead. So if you don't know the story, let me sum it up real quick. Cain and Abel, they're brothers. God asked them to bring a sacrifice. One got jealous. You know, Cain killed Abel. And the, the reason that he did is because he was jealous because God accepted one offering over the other. Right? You've read that in the little storybooks. You might have read it to your kids out of a little Bible storybook. But you know what's so interesting about this? Is what's really behind the scenes. And don't miss this. God asked for an offering and they both brought it. Do you see that? Like a lot of times in the local church, we're like, well, somebody brought an offering and somebody didn't. And that person's bad and this person's good because they brought an offering. You know what God says? You can bring an offering and I'm still not going to accept it. You know why I'm not going to accept it? It's because you gave me what was left and not what was first. Now tell me that's not sobering, right? What's sobering inside of this story is, and like you can put, you can try to glass it all over and make it better than what it is, but you know what the truth of the story is? Like you can go through religious activity and you can say, well, I'm going to give you whatever time I have left. You know, so I'm going to give a little bit, or I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a little bit of money if the money's left, or I'm going to give you a little bit of my talents, you know, but I'm not going to give you the first of everything that I have. God's going to say, and, and again, this isn't me saying it, so don't get too mad at me. This one's acceptable, and this one isn't. So just because you're giving what's left, don't fall into this trap that God somehow pleased because you're only giving him what's left. You know why? Because it was never about the offering. It was all about the, the faith. Come on, are we still on it? Like that? We're talking about faith today. <laughs> right? Because is it ever about the offering? Let, let's just be honest. Is it ever about the offering? Can God produce his own money if he wants to produce money? Can he produce food? Can he do all the things that he wants to do? If he snapped, he, listen, he's the creator of the universe. If he wanted to, he could snap his fingers and anything could happen. So why does he want you to give money? Why does he want you to give time? Why does he want you to go to those places? What's he actually trying to do? Build your faith. So just because you choose to do something that causes no faith, that checked it off to the religious box, just so you know, it's not getting done what God wants to do in your life. So don't fall into the trap, right? He tells you this. If you're going to do these things and you're going to go down this road, you know what? To live by faith is going to cost you something. It's not what time you have left it's not what money you have left. It's not what treasure you have left. It's not what your talent you have left. It is what's going to cost you something from your time. It's what's going to cost you something from your money. It's what's going to cost you something inside of your house, right? Like that's the whole idea. It's going to be the resources I gave you. It's going to cost you something. It's not going to be when it's convenient because when it's convenient, it causes no faith to be able to do it. Does that make sense? So he gives us that story inside of that. Then he goes on. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God has taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, 
I know I said this earlier, but let's make sure that we don't like glass over this because I think sometimes we just read this and we forget. It is impossible, not somewhat possible, impossible to please God without faith. So I'm just telling you like, and I think we all need to do this. We need to sit down and evaluate the way that we're living our lives. We need to sit down and evaluate the, what we're doing with our resources. We need to sit down and evaluate all of these things because at the end of the day, sometimes I think we get caught in the religious trap that somehow we're pleasing God because we're showing up. Or because you did your little flip devotional on your desk, right? Or because you got on your Bible app and you did your devotion. You know what I, you know what I mean? Because... Do you know how many people know way more about the Bible than they're actually doing? But then they just keep reading it and doing nothing about it, and they're like, well, I, just, I read through the Bible in a year. I'm like, well, what did you do? Like, what, what, what came from it? Like, when you read through it, like, what's changed? Well, I mean, nothing, but I read through the Bible in a year. And I'm like... I don't know, right? Like, does that make any sense that you would read it where he wants you to read it because he's trying to challenge you to move forward in a relationship and challenge you to do things that are inside of it and then we do nothing about it but we can still check it off the list to say I read my Bible? I mean, doesn't, seem, doesn't that seem counterproductive to what he's trying to do? Yes. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's just counter, again, because he wants you to read. Why does he want you to read? Because he wants to speak to you. Why does he want you to speak to you? Because he wants you to do something. Why does he want you to do something that he could already do? Because he wants to build your faith, right? It all goes together in that circle, and somehow we've missed those pieces of it. So impossible. So just remember that. Don't, don't look over that. Here's the next thing, verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By, by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of, right, uh, heir of the righteous that is in keeping in faith. So Noah was warned, right? So here's what it says about Noah. Noah was warned about something that he could have never fathomed coming true. It had never rained. Right? So it had never rained before. Noah was warned about something coming. And because he was warned about something coming, he did something about it. Right? He acted on faith because of what he was warned about. So I told you guys, like, think about this. If you aren't hoping for something, you're not going to live by faith. You know, so we should all be hoping for something. So one of the things that at Life Church we're hoping for. So we're hoping for... Uh, the opportunity to reach a generation of young people that are completely missing from the church, right? Because we think there's a generation of young people that have completely deserted the church and have walked away. And you know what else we're hoping for? We're hoping for, hoping for mentoring opportunities to take young men who live in a fatherless generation, regardless of whether they have a father or not, still doesn't make them have a father. We're on the same page, right? You can still have a father and a kid can live in a fatherless generation. We're trying to create opportunities for kids or young men inside of a fatherless generation to be mentored by another man so we could see what it means to be a father someday so that they don't continue to grow up and always be boys, 
right? Like we're hoping for that and we're praying for that and we're believing in that and we're knowing it's going to take great faith because anybody that's tried to reach that generation and anybody that's tackled this idea that I'm going to take on this mentoring program to try to reach the amount of young men today that don't have fathers, it's going to take a lot of faith, right? But you know why we went to that? Because we see the warning signs down the road. You know what the warning signs down the road is if young men aren't reached for Christ and taught how to be men? You know the warning signs that are coming? You know God saying, you know what, if you don't get this done, this is what the world's going to look like if all of these young men growing up in a fatherless generation still are boys at age 30 and 40 years old. You see, what he was saying to him is, it's like, look at the warnings and then do something about it. By fear, Noah built an ark, right? Why would you fear something that you couldn't see? Because God told you this is what's coming? Because I think this is part of the problem is people will look at this and say, you know what? I know that it's probably coming if these boys grow up in a fatherless generation and become men someday. We're in big trouble. And then you know what you do with it? Well, that's somebody else's problem. Right? I mean, it's somebody else's issue to deal with these boys. I don't have time. I don't have, you know, whatever those things are. Noah could have said the same thing. I mean, really? Flood? Rain? I've never even seen rain before. Right? Like, I don't, even, I don't know anything about rain. Like, we as Christian people have to look at the warning signs and say, what are we going to do about it? Right? And how are we going to act on faith and how are we going to trust God for those circumstances? So I'll just ask you, like, what's God warning you of? Like, you might be raising some kids today and you see some warning signs. He's not just showing you those warning signs to just be like, oh, you know, I hope someday it gets better. He's showing those warning signs because he's telling you, you know what? Act on faith and let me get involved. Right? Like, let me be here. You know, he might be showing you some warning signs inside of your marriage, not just to be like, hey, here's some warning signs. You know, you need to write, write them down. Like, hey, get me involved. Right? Get me involved. Let me be a part of. Whatever it is, he's showing you the warning sign not to make you aware of what's coming, but to make you get up out of your seat and do something about it to be able to act by, on faith. Does that make sense? So what are your warning signs that he wants you to look at? Then the next one is this. By faith, verse 8, he says, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, and even though he did not know where he was going, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him on the, of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was just past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful, he who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand in the seashore. So Abraham gives us this picture into God calls you into some very unknown places and the question is, what are you going to do with them? Right? And are you just going to start on the journey to be able to go down that road? So I have a video that I want you to watch. Don put this video together and in Don's story, it's really cool because he talks about this whole idea like, I came back and I started to go to church and then I got to this place of the unknown and then I didn't know what to do but then God like talked through this and people talked through this and he entered into this unknown and how God uses 
people who are willing to start the journey and go down that road. So we watch this video. Yeah, I'm Don Patmore. I've been coming to Life Church for about six years now. I got married to Kim a little over six years ago, and, and she wanted a man to be part of her spiritual life. And I agreed to do that. And so her and I explored churches all around Huntington and Fort Wayne, walked into this church one day, um, sat down in the front row, and you were talking about the design of men and there was a series of design of men and design of women, and I was hooked. On the way home, all I could do was talk about that, that particular sermon and couldn't wait to come back to church, and she's just staring at me, like, you wanna go back to church? I said, yeah, I just gotta hear what the end of this story is. And, well, that was six years ago. <laughs> like, it's been wonderful, because there were other things that were out there. The people in the church aren't looking at you coming in the door, wondering what you're wearing, and I'm looking at the minister and I'm waiting for him to show up, and it's you. And he's wearing cowboy boots. And I'm like, that's not right. Where's the guy with robes? Spent a lot of time in industry, business. Just can't believe that my, all of those talents of 30 years were, were just going to be put on a shelf someplace. And I kept looking at Nick in the back, and, and I saw the kind of things he was doing and thought the church could do a lot better, and pretty soon I'm... Uh, I'm having some rapport with Nick and, and trying to follow him around. I don't know why I was doing that, but that piece of these are my talents. Can there be any way that they fit in the church and help Nick? I just like Nick at the time. The other part of that is, as time went on was how do you reach people? And I was very confused on how any of that could possibly work because the only way you can reach people, I was taught, is be a minister. <laughs> okay. Over time, that's changed. But in the meantime, I met Nick and Michelle. I started coming into the church just to see if I could help them. I had some crazy ideas. Nick has crazy ideas, and pretty soon, you know, I'm helping him do things. We've built stage design. We have a team that does that now, which is fantastic. But that's not good enough. We really need to reach young men and boys and have them come in and learn trade. That's always been something I'm about. As you know, I, I mentored this young man, and, and, and he became a Christian in this church, um, and he's learned everything because he's had an opportunity that he wouldn't have had because he didn't have a father to, to learn how to you know, drive a tractor and take care of horses and all of those things that we, we sometimes focus on. But in this church, you know, just building things is a wonderful thing, and you can get to people and have people come in, young men, and learn that trade. So I think there's two pieces, one small group, is a very good avenue to, to get to know people and, and get to know them on a different level than just say high in church. There's more intimacy there and, and because of that you're gonna learn there's other things potentially you could participate in. And the other one is just talking to the church staff. Getting to know church staff, the elders, find out if there's anything you can do. Even if you have a crazy idea, go and present it. It's one of the things I love about this church, there is no crazy idea, okay? So get out there, say, hey, you know what? I'm really good at whatever. I think I can do this as a ministry and at least make your proposal and just get involved. You know, the greatest thing about Don's story, I love this because Don is at the same place a lot of people are. You come to church, especially for men, and you get here and you're like, okay, now you finally got me to church and it's actually not that bad, you know? So I'm not like completely bored and I can kind of make sense of it all. But now what do you do? Because I'm not a preacher. 
I don't sing, you know, and I'm not a Sunday school teacher. So like, what do you do inside of the church? And Don and I had had these conversations and I'm like, well, I don't know. What does God want you to do? It doesn't even have to fit inside of the church because you know what? The greatest ministries yet to come are in you and Life Church hasn't even thought about them, right? And you know why? Because God's doing something inside of you, right? And what's going to come out of you is God's design. And you know what? He's there. Instead of the church saying, I want to create a box that Don has to fit into because we already know if we create boxes and ask people to be there, God's not there. You know where God is? Where he wants Don to be. And so Don just made a choice. You know what? I don't know how this all makes sense, but at the end of the day, I'm going to do something, right? I'm going to do something when it comes to mentoring boys. I don't even have the answer to figure out how it's all going to go, but I'm going to at least start somewhere. And that's what he's saying. Inside of this, the same thing as it was for Abraham, you know, he didn't get to the place where he understood it all. He just knew, you know what? I got to get up and move. God asked me to go from here to here, so I'm just going to go from here to here. And God can tell, talk about, you know, people can talk about the stories of who Don has reached, but I think Don will tell you the story of how much God has reached him. Because that's the story. But the story is what God's doing in him and how he's going to continue to use him in the future. All right, he goes on and says this in verse 13. All these people uh, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth, people uh, say, say such things, show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country that they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for his prepared, because he has prepared a city for them. So he reiterates this final point. And so the band's going to make their way back up. And so here's how he ends it up. He brings it all together and he says, you know what? I want to remind you of something. And here's the thing. A lot of those people that he asked to do something never saw the end result. Like, do you realize that? Like, a lot of us would look at that and be like, but they were faithful their whole time, and then they never got to see it, right? How fair is it, right? Well, when you look at it that way, you know why we look at it and say that it's not fair? Because we thought that the destination was more important than the journey. Because someday, the promised land's getting done, and someday, some people are going into the promised land, and someday, all of these things are going to happen, but Today, all I care about is you inside of the journey and what I want it to become, it will become. And whoever's going to be a part of it will be a part of it. But don't stop being a part of something because you don't think you're going to make it to the end. You see, it was that way when we were at, here at Life Church. So I'm going to give you kind of an inside scoop. When you plan a church in a community where you know nobody, first it seemed like a bad idea. It was a good idea then, but then once we started, it seems like this is a terrible idea. Like we don't know anybody. So we're going to come here, we're going to, you know, plan a church, we're excited about it, but it was really difficult because we didn't know anybody, so we were like, you know what we should do, Life Church Bluffton, where we came from, we're like, why don't you send some people over here so that when we have the first Sunday, it actually looks like it's working, do you know what I mean? And you only have to stay for a while so that everybody coming in will see it and they'll be like, wow, look at this church, like they have this many people, it must be something good, and then you kind of do this like sneaky transition where the new people come and then the other people go away. Well, just so you know, the sneaky transition didn't work because people started leaving, going back to Life Church, Bluffton, and we were down to like 45 or 50 people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? 
why am I doing this? I did this because I wanted it to be successful, right? I wanted it to be like, why isn't it working? And God just said to me at the time, and I've always kept this, that it was never about the numbers and it's never about what Life Church will become. It's what I wanted to do inside of you. So focus on what I want to do in you and the church will be mine and not yours. And don't ever forget it. It was never yours to begin with. And the results of what happens here has nothing to do with me. And it has everything to do with what God wants to do inside of me and what he wants to do inside of you, right? And so he tells us, like, don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. Don't think about however it's going to turn out, but ask yourself this question in the midst of this journey. What is it that he wants to do with you? So here's your last thing. So we're going to give you this time, talent, treasure, and I'll talk to you about this. Because sometimes you walk out of a message like this and like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, how do you process all of this information? Like, the only thing that pleases God is faith. How do I position myself in a place of faith? Like, how do I do this? And so Jennifer got this put together. It's a time, talent, and treasure, and we've used this in the past. And the way that we've used this, just to give you an idea, is we, like, whatever your time you're available or talent that you have or treasure you have, we use it to help do ministry with other people. So if Don has a Wednesday off and somebody calls us and said, I need help, and we know Don's talent is this, we put those people together, right? So we're like, hey, I know that it's in a database. Don could go help this person because he's available on Wednesdays and he could do, right? So we use it in that way. But with that, this is the other way that we want to use it. So here's what I want you to do over this next week, next few days, is I want you to, from the purpose of the only thing that pleases God is faith, like so from that lens, the only thing that pleases God is faith, I want you to look at how are you spending your time. So everybody has the same amount of time, right? Everybody has 168 hours in a week, every single person, right? So the question is, when you look and you evaluate your time, how much of your time is spent as if it is yours or his? Because it doesn't mean you're going to quit your job and not go to work and not go to school or not do any things. The question just is, is your time given to you as a gift for a purpose? Because whose time is it? Is it your time? No. You know why? I've, I have breath today for one reason and one reason only. God still has a purpose for my life. I have, a, I have today or whatever I get out of today because he wants to use me. And so the question is, how am I being purposeful with my time? And how when I look at my calendar and evaluate my time, how can I look at it and say, you know what? I operated this week in a way that says, by faith, I gave God the first of my time and not what was left over. The same thing, you know, when it talks about your talent. So everybody in this room has been given a talent. You know, and you might think you've been given that talent so everybody can look at you and be like, oh, wow, you're such a great fill in the blank. You're a great basketball coach. You're a great teacher. You're a great mechanic. You're a great farmer. You're a great, you know what I mean? You just fill in the blank. But you know that's not why you're given that talent. You know why you're given that talent? To use it to further the kingdom of God. That's why you're given it. You know why you're good at construction? You know why you're good as a teacher? You know why you're good at that? Because he gave it to you so you could use it on purpose. And so my question always is, if he gave you that talent and it came from God, how are you using it to give back to God? 
How are you using your talent? And the same thing. You know, we've talked about this a hundred times. Nothing that you have from a treasure's perspective belongs to you. Not your car, not your house, not your money, not anything. It's all his, right? You are a steward of his stuff. And when you look at it, are you truly treating your house? You know why you have a fridge full of food? You know why you have a table in your kitchen? Not just so that you can eat, so that you can invite friends and people and relationships, right? You know why you have a house over your head? Not just so you can go in and be warm. You know why you have a house over your head? Because there might be somebody that you need to divide in, that you need to take care of, that you need to host, right? You know why you have a car? You know why, could I just go on, right? You see what I'm saying, right? Like you have this as a gift from God to give back to other people. Don't just think of it as yours. Be thankful. You have this great, big, and beautiful house. Use it for something other than you. You have these things that God gave you for a reason to be able to give it back to other people. So the treasure principle is this. I've given you something doesn't belong to you. And if you look at how you're using your treasure, are you using it to further the kingdom of God? Okay, so stand up. So we're going to, please, sorry, it kind of sounded bad, didn't it? Like the personality problem. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do. So on, there's two tables here and two tables in the back. If this is something that you want to do, you know, we're not, we didn't hand them out on the way out or, you know, that it was sitting on your seat for one reason and one reason only. We're saying if you want one of these and you want to process this with God and try to figure out how you can work through this on your own and then possibly give it back to us and so that we can keep track of these things in case we can connect people together. During this last song, we want you to go up and grab one or after the song is over, we want you to grab one. Take some time, fill it out. We'd love for you to turn it back in so that we can then use these resources to, to pool together so that we can connect people so that we can change the world through your time, talent, and treasure. Okay, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we could gather today and thankful, Lord, that um, you remind us, I guess, in all of this is that the only thing that pleases you is faith. Don't let us get caught in the trap of religion. Don't let us get caught in the trap of going through the motions, Lord, but let us be reminded that we want to be found faithful we as a church want to be found faithful. The greatest gift we could ever be given from you are the words that we always want to hear. Well done, good and faithful, faithful servant. May we be that, Lord. May the tests that come, because we know they're coming, may the challenges that are in front of us, may we look them at as a place of not like, why me, but Lord, find me faithful in the midst of those things. Find me faithful in the challenges of my marriage. Find me faithful in the challenges of my relationships. Find me faithful in the challenges that this world gives when it comes to being a Christian. Find me faithful. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
devoted like a ring of solid gold like a vow that is tested like a covenant of old your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today faithful you have been and faithful you will be we pledge yourself to me and that's why i sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my Be 
so I just want to say, you know, I'm excited for 2022 and not from the standpoint of like, I think it's going to be a better year with less challenges, right? Because I already know <laughs> that's, not what it, that's not what it's about anyway. I'm looking forward to 2022 because there's a foundation of faith that was built in 2021 that I want to see keep growing. And I want to see those things keep fostering inside of me. And I want to be used by God in amazing ways because he continues to build my faith. And the same with the church. Like, I'm so excited. Like, what happened in 2021 is to prepare us to change the world, right? It's to get us ready. The warning signs are on the wall, right? And I'm excited for us as a church to say, you know what, we're prepared. And by faith, we're going to see God do amazing things and that we as a church are going to sit back and say, like, look at what God has done. And look at not what he's just done through us, but look how he's used this community to change the world. And so I'm so happy and so excited about what's to come for 2022. So thanks for being here with us this week. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.